Good morning, church. Hey, man, so good to see you. I swear every single Sunday just gets better looking out, seeing your wonderful faces. If we haven't yet had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Pastor Ben. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Thrive City. You have joined us, like Natasha just said, you have joined us for the second week of our new series called Modern Romance. Modern romance. Nothing better than talking about love and romance and dating and marriage in the church. In this collection of talks, what we wanted to do was take a few weeks to to talk about and to focus on what the Bible says about relationships. I said this last week, but I will say it again. I truly believe that God wants us to win at our relationships. We serve a God of peace and of order and of restoration, not a God of chaos and confusion. Amen? So I believe that God wants the best, not only for you, but for your relationships, no matter what season of life that you are in, whether you are single or dating or married or divorced or widowed, or maybe it's just really, really complicated. God wants to use you and your relationships for your good and for his glory. Oh, it's exciting. Last week, we talked about how attraction is not a distraction. Sometimes the church is scared to talk about real emotions, real things that we feel. We're kind of scared to admit those things. And last week, we learned that attraction and that desire for closeness and for intimacy with another person is actually part of God's plan and design for us. But we also talked about how we need to be careful in how we respond, how we react with those feelings of attraction. So within the context, in the proper container, in the marriage covenant, Christian relationships can and should be filled with life and with energy and with passion. So this week we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about singleness, dating, and finding your soulmate. Come on, somebody. Right? Real quick. Let me talk to those of you in the room that are single. Before we go any further, if you don't already know, you need to understand that your singleness is not a sickness. Your singleness is not a sickness. You might be single, but in the eyes of God, you are no less significant. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But marriage is not somehow a level up or an award for being good enough or pretty enough or talented enough or worthy enough. In fact, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul actually says, to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single, as am I. When you think about it, Jesus himself was single for the 33 or so years that he spent on earth. If singlehood was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. But I'm telling you this to make sure that we're on the same page. Sometimes communication and wires can get a little crossed in church when we feel that there's somehow an expectation for us as Christians to get married. Right? It's like going to a family reunion, a family gathering you haven't been to in a while, and all your relatives are asking you how your dating life is going. No, we don't want to be that way. You don't have to get married. But the reality is, is the majority of people, many people really do desire that lifelong relationship and that commitment that comes with marriage. So even right now in this room, there might be single people for different reasons. Maybe you're just chilling. You're single as a Pringle. You're ready to mingle. You're loving the single life. Nothing wrong with it. You don't feel like you want to settle down anytime soon. Maybe you're single because you are healing from past hurt. You've had difficult relationships in the past, and you know what? You're just going to take a little bit of time to grow. 
and you're just gonna be single. But maybe you are single and you are looking for love. Right, you signed up to Christian Mingle, to eHarmony, you're shaking hands, looking for wedding bands, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and you're ready to commit to that long-term relationship. But just remember that no matter what your situation is, you do not need a significant other to be significant. You do not need a significant other to be significant. The reason why we need to get this right and we need to get this better understanding of dating and relationships, especially about what God says about dating and relationships, is because if we do not understand his plan and his timing for our lives, we can quickly try and hijack it for ourselves. So really quickly, I want to show you this slide. It's this, this, this dating equation that might be helpful to some of us as we kind of talk about different things. A lot of us, we find the right person, but we find them at the wrong time. And that ends up being the wrong relationship. Other times, we find the wrong person, but it feels like the right time. And we try and make it work. We try and make it fit. But that ends up being the wrong relationship. Even worse, we find the wrong person at the wrong time. Everything goes off the rails, and that certainly is the wrong relationship. But what we want to see and what we want to seek God in and what the Scripture says about our relationships is we want to wait on God for the right person at the right time so that we are able to enjoy the right relationship. Amen? So this morning, if you're on the lookout for your soulmate, the one that completes you, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not going to be able to tell you who it is. <laughs> you came to church, so I'm going to give you the spiritual answer. There's only one. There's only one person that can satisfy your heart and your soul. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In the book of Psalms, 107 says, For he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. So right at the beginning, before we talk any more about dating or soulmates, you need to know that I'm not somehow going to help introduce you to somebody who's going to fix your life, that's going to satisfy you forever. You're never going to have a problem. No, the only one that can satisfy is Jesus. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But as we begin, I just want to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for this moment that we're spending together, as noisy as it may be at times. God, I thank you for each and every person that you have gathered here this morning as we explore your word. God, we thank you that you are a God who is passionate about relationships. We ask that you would transform our relationships, not just for our good, but for your glory. We thank you that you are a God who sustains. You are a God that satisfies. And right now in this moment, we give you our expectations. We give you our understanding of relationships, what they should look like. And we ask that you would change them, that you would shape them, that you would give us the proper perspective. God, may this place, may this church be known as a place with Christ-like love and redeeming relationships. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like many people, you don't have to admit this if you don't want to, like many people, I grew up as a hopeless romantic. Right? My wife's not here this morning. She's uh, home, home with uh, our sick son. It's a bummer. But uh, I don't know if my, my wife would agree with me, but at one point in my life, 
I was a hopeless romantic. I remember having my first crush in Mrs. Boswell's kindergarten class. Her name was Jamie. She would chase me around and she would rub the back of my head because I had a buzz cut. And apparently I took that as a sign of romantic interest. This is it. I found my girl. (laughs) As I grew older and older, I realized that fewer and fewer people were chasing me around to rub the back of my head. Uh, However, I, I remember getting to an age where I began to understand fairy tales and love stories. And I began to think to myself, I can't wait until I can experience that. I can't wait until I find the one. You know what I mean, the one. Our soulmate, my other half, my unmistakable, my undeniable life partner. To break it down in terms that you might understand, the jasmine to my Aladdin, the Cinderella to my somewhat not so Prince Charming, right? The Rachel to my Ross, the Pam Beasley to my Jim Helper, the Kim to my Kanye, no. Uh, Anyway, in all seriousness, The idea of finding my soulmate persisted and followed me into adulthood and began to cause serious problems in my relationships. Some of you might know what this is like. You know how tough it is when when you tell somebody that they're the one and they tell you, nope, you're done. How awkward that is. When you are sold on the idea of soulmates, it causes all sorts of chaos in our relationships. So maybe you've experienced this tension before. You've spent your life dreaming of the one, dreaming of your soulmate, your soulmate, dreaming of being swept off your feet and spending forever together. However, you quickly find out that people come with problems. And the reality of relationships hits you square in the face. Maybe you were convinced that you had found your soulmate until you saw how they chewed with their mouth open or how they load the dishwasher. Oh, that gets me every time. Still. Or how hilarious that that one joke they told, and it was hilarious at the time, and you realized the more you got to know them, that's their joke. And anytime you meet somebody new, they tell that joke. And you're like, you got anything else? All of a sudden, you're wondering if you really found your soulmate because right now, you cannot stand them. When we begin to dig deeper into this idea, the idea of soulmates, in fact, is not biblical. It's not biblical. We learn that the idea of soulmates actually comes from ancient Greek philosophy. Some of you know Plato not the soft stuff that you roll into your hands to make a snake. Plato, the Greek philosopher, according to Greek mythology, humanity was created with four arms, with four legs, with two heads, and believing them to be too powerful, Zeus cut humanity in half, forever cursing these halves to wander the earth, searching after their long-lost soulmate. In the modern day, this concept of soulmates is simply the idea that there's one person out there that can complete us. Like I've already mentioned, this pattern of thinking creates a problem, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but first of all, the idea of soulmates, when it comes down to it, it's really narcissistic and self-centered. Like, who is a good fit for me? This is not working for me. Where is my soulmate? It also makes us passive in our relationships. When I find my soulmate, things are just gonna click. It will be smooth sailing. I don't have to try as hard. Third, it breeds discontentment. 
Every disagreement, every disappointment is just further proof to you that you have not found the one. So as we're going to discover this morning, and I want you to to remember this, finding your soulmate is not a matter of destiny. It is a decision. It's not a matter of destiny. It is a decision. Scripture is painfully clear. Or I'm sorry, the opposite. Scripture is painfully quiet when it comes to the topic of dating, especially in our modern-day understanding of it. However, when we, when we examine themes and lessons from the Bible, we can learn many truths that we can apply to our lives. So this morning, I want us to talk about four different things to look for as you date for your soulmate. I feel like I have to make sure you understand what I mean when I say date for your soulmate. If finding your soulmate is not a matter of destiny, it is a matter of making a decision. It is not a coincidence. It is a conscious choice. So as we date for our soulmate, we need to be intentional when you're looking for that one. And this applies to those of you that are single, but it also applies to those of us that are married or in committed relationships. Because there are times in your marriage where you will be convinced that you have not found the one. Years down the line, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever experienced this before, but even in our marriages, we have to continue to date our soulmate, the one that we have chosen, the one that we've decided to spend our lives with. Does that make sense? Before we go any further, four things to look for as you date for your soulmate. Number one, look for character. Look for character. I feel like this should go without saying, but perhaps the most important thing to look for when dating for your soulmate is their character. Who they are on the inside when nobody else is looking. What are they really made of? The Bible makes it really, really clear how important character is. In the book of 1 Samuel, in chapter 16, it says this, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearances or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The context of this passage, what was happening is the prophet Samuel was systematically searching for the next king of Israel. And what he was mainly doing was considering looks and height and charisma. Sound familiar to anybody else? Right? We like to focus on looks and height and charisma, these outward appearances. Basically, what we look for. And one day, Samuel met a man named Jesse who had seven sons. And Samuel was convinced, God, it's got to be one of these. One of these guys. And he kind of goes through them one by one, convinced that that next one was going to be the one that God had chosen to be the king of Israel. And he gets to the end of the line, and Samuel was like, do you have any other sons? Because every guy that he went through, God was like, no, not him, not him. Samuel, remember, it's not about his appearance or his height or stature. I've rejected all of them. I don't see as man sees. You look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So they end up calling in David from the fields, who was not as tall or attractive or maybe not as charismatic, but God had chosen him to be the next king. Proverbs 31.30 says this, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You might have heard some, some guys say they're looking for their P31 woman. Anybody ever heard that? 
Sometimes in Christian culture, that's a thing. But what, what is happening here, the author is simply saying, look, you can be charming, you can be good looking, but no amount of physical beauty can compare with a person who chases wholeheartedly after God, who pays attention to the inside, to their character and their integrity. We see further in scripture in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 says, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. We see that when God looks at us, he looks at our heart, our inner being, and our character. So we need to be willing to do the same when searching for our soulmate. Does this mean that physical attraction does not play a role? No. And we talked about that last week. However, one thing that I've learned is that looks may lead you in, but you end up committing to their character. Right? When you meet somebody for the first time, maybe their looks draw you in, but when you get to know them, what really hooks you is who they are on the inside. So this goes both ways. This is not only what we need to look for in our future soulmates. This is something that we also need to be, that we need to embody. So let me ask you this. Those of you who are single, even those of you who are married and you want to grow in your relationships, how are you coming across? How is your integrity? Are you walking that fine line between righteous and ratchet? Right, come on, somebody. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Don't be a terrible person and then be surprised when nobody approaches you. Walking around with a stank face all the time and like, nobody's talking to me. Why can't I meet anybody? You look like you ate a lemon, bro. <laughs> Let's be honest, you can be hot and a horrible person. So it's important to showcase your character. Live a life that honors God, that displays your spirit. Let your actions speak louder than your words. So look for character. Number two, look for compatibility. Compatibility. This seems simple on the surface, but I don't mean look for someone who enjoys the same music or the same podcasts or somebody who shares the same political viewpoint. Because while those are important and definitely play a role in your relationship, there is something much deeper that we need to discover. By compatibility, I mean is the foundation of your souls built on the same bedrock. Do you fundamentally share the same worldview? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about the importance of this. He shares this story, this parable of two men, one who builds their house on a firm foundation and one who hastily builds their house on the sand. I'm not going to sing the song. Anybody remember the song from Sunday school? <laughs> Maybe some other week. But the moral of the story is the importance of making God the foundation and the cornerstone of our lives. And without him, like the parable says, when the storms of life come our way, we will be washed away like a house that was built on the sand. There's a really famous verse in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 that says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? In this passage, Paul is using an agricultural analogy to help illustrate the point that he's trying to make. What he's doing is he's describing this harness, what they would call a yoke that would be put over the necks of two livestock that would help plow in the fields. 
And in order for the livestock to plow evenly and in a straight line, they had to be evenly matched in their size and their strength. So if you put a massive cow on one side and a small donkey on the other, it's not going to work out well. I feel the need to be as clear as possible here. Sometimes we use, in the church, we use this verse as just this blanket statement of just saying, you need to date somebody who's a Christian. Do I think that's important? Yes, but it's a little bit more than that. There are wonderful people. There are wonderful people that do not believe in God. And there are terrible people who do. So just because somebody calls themselves a Christian, it doesn't mean they are compatible with you, that they would be equally yoked with you. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. People in their relationships will say, well, he said he's a Christian. She said she grew up in the church. Come to find out they are not equally yoked. Finding somebody who you can be equally yoked with means finding a person who you can journey alongside of throughout life, making serious life decisions. If you don't see eye to eye about the purpose of your life, it's going to make smaller decisions even more difficult. How are we going to raise our kids? What do we want them to believe? So if you and your partner are not aligned on your worldviews, you, eventually you're going to drift apart. So don't be a joke. Consider the yoke. <laughs> That's so stupid. Anyway. Compatibility is so important. Number three, look for commitment. Look for commitment. Again, this seems like a simple concept. Like, well, of course, why would I be in a relationship with somebody who's not committed to me? Well, let me tell you, it's because oftentimes we commit to one another in seasons of comfort. When things are going well, when we can think to ourselves, I could do this for the rest of my life. This is great. We love each other. Nothing is ever going to change the way that we feel. But once life gets messy and things get real, we begin to question our decisions. Our commitment is shaken. So when I say look for commitment, I don't mean look for somebody who will commit to you when things are going well, when you're comfortable. I mean look for a partner who is willing to commit themselves to extending grace and continuing to grow. We're going to talk about those things really quick. Extending grace and being willing to grow, committing to those things. Scripture makes it clear over and over again that no one is perfect. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter who you are, no matter how perfect you think you might be, you are not. All of us are broken people. All of us have baggage. And many times we carry the weight of that into our relationships. So as we date for our soulmate, we need to be able to, to find a partner who is willing to see us at our darkest and let God love us anyway. Right? Scripture says that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even at our darkest moment. So we need to be willing to find somebody. I mean, they're not going to be as great as Jesus, right? right? But they need to be willing to, to extend that same grace and forgiveness when we mess up, because we will. 1 John 4, 19 and following says, We love because he first loved us. 
If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, or his wife, or his girlfriend, or significant other, they are a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Because of the love that we have experienced from God, we need to be willing to showcase that love to other people. To be willing to be a people of commitment, committing ourselves to extending the grace of God and showing the same love that he has shown us. Number four, look for clarity. Look for clarity as you date for your soulmate. If you ask my wife about our relationship, I am super guilty of this. I'll make a confession to you right now. I was the worst at having the DTR conversation. The define the relationship conversation. What are we? One of the most difficult situations you'll run into while dating when you're, when you're searching for your soulmate is when you don't really know what you are. Okay, we've been seeing each other for a while. What, what's going on? Are we dating? What, what are we? we we've, now we've been dating for maybe a couple years. It, now what's up? What do you want to do with this? I've made it clear where I stand. Where do you stand? I believe that clarity in our relationships is directly, tri- directly tied to truth and love. There's a very, very famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that perhaps it was read at your wedding. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I want you to pay attention to verse 6 where it says, Love rejoices in the truth. If you care about somebody, if, if we love someone, we need to be able to be clear and to be honest with them. So if you are searching for your soulmate, you need to look for somebody who's going to be willing to be honest with you, to be upfront with you about their intentions, about where they are at in the relationship. And then on our soulmate, we need to show people we care for them by being clear with them. Man, this seems like such a simple concept, but in, just in the modern age of like casual dating, Tinder hookups, a lot of times people just don't know where they're at. So as you search for the one, as you're searching for your soulmate, man, even if you're married, learning to be clear with your spouse about how you're feeling. There have been a lot of times lately where I've been talking with my wife and some of the different things that we're going through with with our our son and his sickness. I just kind of have to say like, hey, um, real quick, I'm just, I'm saying this stuff because it's it's how I'm feeling. And I don't want to make the mistake of bottling it up on the inside for too long. And then all of a sudden it all comes out and you're wondering where in the world all of this confusion and anxiety and chaos is coming from. I've been trying to go painfully out of my way to be as clear as possible about where I'm at, whether it be emotionally or mentally. Lastly, Ephesians 4.15 says to, to speak truth in love. 
One of the best ways that we can show people that we love them is by being truthful and honest with them. Showing truth in love. So look, if you haven't heard anything that I've said this morning, remember this. Don't date for love alone. Date for destiny. Because finding your soulmate is not a coincidence. It is a conscious decision. The person that you choose, that you make this decision to spend the rest of your life with, they can either amplify your purpose or they can pull you away from God's best plan for your life. I've seen it happen time and time again. You see somebody who has an obvious call of God on their life. I know that they are destined to do great things, but they get wrapped up in the wrong relationship, just goes off the rails, and before you know it, they're so discouraged and distracted and consumed with everything that's going on, they no longer are able to listen to the voice of God in their life. So challenge yourself this week to be a person of upstanding character. Whether you're single and ready to mingle, whether you're just single and you're chilling for a while, whether you are married, challenge yourself to be a person of character. Seek a partner who is compatible with you, who has built their life on the foundation of God's word, sharing that same fundamental viewpoint and worldview as you. Be a person who is committed to extending grace and continuing to grow. There will always be room to improve. I love the saying that, that you can always change without growing. You can change without growing. We change all the time. But you can never grow without changing. There's always room to improve. And then lastly, show them you care by being clear. In your relationships, be clear. Stop leading people on. Be upfront. Be a person who tells the truth and speaks the truth in love. It's my prayer that we would be a church that would embody these four things. Just in the life of our church, not only in our dating relationships, but as a whole, that we would be a church of clarity, that we would be a church of commitment, that we'd be a church of character. We would be a church of compatibility. So may we as a church be a people who don't just wait for the right person or the right time, but we wait for God's timing. Like we talked about that. In God's timing, we will find the right person at the right time when God brings those together. May we be a church that honors God with our relationships. May we be a church that reclaims and redeems relationships, leading with Christ-like love. Let me pray for you and your relationships as we close our time together. God, I thank you again for each person here. God, right now I pray specifically for their relationships, their significant others, their marriages, their upcoming weddings, their expectations of who they want to meet. God, right now we give all of those to you this morning. God, we, we don't want to do anything that is outside of your will. Help us to use scripture as our standard. Learning from you. Jesus, I ask for, for those who are in the midst of brokenness or hurting or tension or arguments in their relationships, they're, they're struggling right now. They're not even sure if they're gonna make it. God, I ask right now that you would do a mighty work in their lives, that you would heal those relationships, that you would lead them towards reconciliation and forgiveness and repentance. 
God, not just for our good, but for your glory. Work in their relationships right now. Jesus, we thank you. As we continue to pray, as no one's looking around, maybe this morning we've been talking about this idea and this concept of soulmates, and you kind of feel like maybe you've been dating Jesus. You've met him a few times, you've hung out a little bit, but you've never really made that decision to fully commit. The greatest commandment in the Bible is this, to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. Like we talked about earlier, the Bible also says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sent his son Jesus to become one with humanity, being fully God and fully man, to die on the cross in our place as a sacrifice for our sins, being raised again on the third day, now seated at the right hand of God. I'm telling you, the only way to experience a thriving life is not through finding your soulmate, it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you want to take that next step right now this morning, there's no better time than this. Just pray along with me. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray silently to yourself. Heavenly Father, Jesus, I want to get to know you. Thank you that through Jesus, I can know you. I can have a relationship with you. God, please forgive me. Jesus, fill me with your spirit so that I can walk with you, that I can learn from you, that I can be more like you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. that was you this morning, I want to boldly ask you to do something. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, say yes to him and take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus, would you be willing to just raise your hand on the count of three? If you're uncomfortable, it's fine. You can always find me after service. I'd love to talk to you. But one, I believe that you will never be the same. Number two, God loves you so much. Three, would you raise your hand if you made that decision this morning? God, we thank you. All across the room, all across the room, Jesus, we thank you. We just take a quick second and just celebrate those who, who made a decision to follow Jesus. Can we, just, can we just thank you, God? We thank you. We know that you see these hands. We know that you, you see these hearts. And we thank you for those that have chosen to place their trust and their, their, uh, to put their foundation in you, to start that relationship with you. God, we thank you that no matter what, you come first. Because only you can satisfy. Jesus' name.